welcome, brothers and sisters, to the first episode of the Empty Quiver podcast. My name is Sam Speck, and I hope that this podcast can lead you into the abundant life that Jesus Christ has to offer for you. My first guest on the show is Marcus McFoling. He is a former professional football player, and now he is an inspirational gospel speaker. He travels around to schools and to events and to conferences all around the country, giving people the hope of Jesus Christ and trying to lead them out of the addictions of this world. This man has a great story, and I consider him an awesome brother in the Lord. So I hope you enjoy our conversation and are encouraged by what he has to say. How you doing this morning? Pretty good, man. Get my morning, get my morning routine started. Yeah, you you said you're early bird. What is that? So that, that can mean different things for different people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I like to get up early and just spend time with the Lord, spend time reading. Yeah. Mainly because I get bored of reading. So if I just put something in, I can do other things. So I can write, I can listen. And sure. I just come down here. I have a studio now. Uh, I just bought a bunch of equipment. So oh, I got cool. a, gim- a gimbal, some lights, some high-quality mics to do some recording and stuff. So just come down here oh, and, nice. and, and play around a little bit. That's cool, man. I like that. You're way, you're way ahead of me. I've got a, a, a tripod, my iPhone sitting on, and a little microphone that plugs into my the jack at the well, bottom that's, so that's far that's more than most people <laughs> and i just, so just i just had that whole setup before i just got this stuff yesterday so oh that's cool yeah so what do you, what are you trying to do like multimedia wise during think, this quarantine and stuff so to be able to connect with people um i think one of my giftings is i i can gather a lot of people to do whatever i gather them to do so sure trying to utilize you know zoom utilize facebook utilize instagram live to be able to connect with as many people as possible. Last week, we had about 55 people on from all around the world that oh, were awesome. on a Bible study, and I just walked them through Psalms 23. And it was really cool to see how, you know, people who don't really know each other can come together and talk about, you know, one commonality, and that's Jesus. And so I just yeah, want the Holy Spirit to use us, because it could be, I could easily just start talking and teaching, because that's what I love to do, but I made it more about everybody because we're the body and yeah i think that's super important man um, to to provide space for people to speak their hearts and encourage yeah. them along the way yeah yeah i love that man um so just to give you like a a little rundown of my heart here with this podcast mm-hmm. is just what i'm trying to do is and i think it's poignant for this time is like um, I call I call my podcast the Empty Quiver, okay. um, and that plays off of my wife and I have experienced some um, fertility issues and stuff, and that's okay. kind of been one of the defining things that God has really used to work in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, drawing me back to Him in the midst of hurt and pain, and um, I know from your story that's definitely something that's prevalent there. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but but the goal the goal that I that I that I want for this is, is to, for people to see that, that, you know, struggling happens and, and difficulty happens, but that abundant life with Jesus is better. And that's yeah. ultimately the the heart of this is like leading people back to him. Just, yeah, you know, um, so yeah, for, as we're getting started, do you mind just like giving people who may not know much about you, just like, a you know, just give us a little bit about yourself, man. Like this a couple, couple minutes on Marcus. Yeah. So uh, my name is Marcus, uh, originally from Seaside, California. 
um, just kind of born into a situation where uh, my birth father didn't want me. So uh, identity was the first thing that that gripped me. I didn't know who I was, didn't know where I belonged. I had brothers mm. and sisters who all had different last names. So it was mm. easy for me to, to feel not as connected to people. Uh, growing up in the inner city in California, there's only a few things that you can do. Either you're going to be a rapper or a musician, um, either you're going to sell drugs or you're going to play ball. Mm. Now, I know now that that's not true. There are many other alternatives, but right. the way that I grew up, those were the only things that I could see. So I chose football. Football was a game that loved me. Like what I put in, I got back out. Mm. And it opened a lot of doors for me. But, you know, I didn't have any discipline inside of my home because the highest um, grade level that I think anybody completed was 11th grade. So, wow. you know, it was it was really, it was one of those things that I just didn't know how to study. I didn't know how to do the basics. But I was good at football, so it opened up a lot of doors for me just to go yeah. to school and hang right. out in my principal's office and get on my space and, you know, they would bring me lunch and until graduation day came. Wow. And I didn't graduate high school. Mm. And then everything just comes crashing down. I'm this big time recruit, uh, committed to a division one school, but I couldn't accept a scholarship. So I persevered, went to junior college. And and I think it's important for people to know to this day, I don't have a high school diploma or a GED. Mm. But when God has a plan for your life, there's not a devil in hell that can stop it as long as Amen. you're alive. Amen, as long as you're obedient to what he tells you to do. Yeah. And so uh, just this whole time, God had been like learning me, but I didn't really understand any of it. So I went to Juco, played ball, got a scholarship to come out to Ohio. I'd never been to Ohio before, but, you know, my dreams were coming true. I played at the school called Malone University, uh, set a lot of records there, got a mm -hmm. chance to go to an NFL combine, perform well there, but didn't get drafted. So I played in the Arena Football League in uh, 2014. Um, uh, me and my wife were getting ready to get married that year. I'm playing football in Texas. Mm. Everything's going great until I have this injury working out for the Dallas Cowboys that completely blew out my shoulder, ended my career, and led me down the cycle of drug addiction. Mm. And, you know, I didn't wake up saying, hey, I want to be a drug addict. Nobody does that. Right. But for me, I had to, I had to choose how – I had to choose what I was going to choose at that point. Mm. Where was my identity going to be founded in? Yeah. And so it became founded in drugs and just being a completely just not a good person. And but God, man, he, he mm. rescued me. Yeah. So my wife and I, we moved back to Ohio. This is 2016 or 2017, January. And I'm just completely deceived, but I knew I went to a Christian school, so I knew I needed to be back in Ohio. I knew I needed to be around people that were were just going to to tell me who I was. Sure. And so they did just that, but I didn't understand who I was myself and I needed I needed God to tell me that. So I I had three felony charges, deception to a painted drainage drug. I started going to all kind of different doctors looking for opiates, just trying to, you know, numb the pain. And well, you can't do that. You can't just go to a bunch of different doctors. And so, <laughs> right. Right. you know, right. at the time, I guess I didn't really understand that. <laughs> but that's how strong addiction is, man. You yeah, you can't make a cognitive decision. Right. Your decision-making is impaired. Your brain receptors aren't firing correctly. So I was just completely imploding. And then June 16, 2017 happens, where everything comes to a crashing halt. My wife calls the cops on me because I have a warrant. They take my daughter away. And... I'm sitting in a cell for the first time in my life. Hmm. And here's how powerful addiction is. The only thing I can think about, everything that had just happened. 
The only thing I could think about were the 12 pills that I had inside of the house. Wow. That's how strong addiction was. But I came home, my wife was gone. I had 12 pills and some decisions to make. So for two, a little over two days, I contemplated suicide. I was really going to take my life because everything was gone. The pills were gone. My wife was gone. My daughter was gone. It was my first my first Father's Day alone, and I realized I was becoming the dad that I, I didn't have. Mm. And but God rescued me. For some yeah. reason, I chose to check myself into a faith-based rehab. And that's when everything changed. I even get chills when I talk about yeah. it every time. I, yeah. I'll never get tired of telling this story. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> I get chills every time. Yeah. And he rescued me. And Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit <laughs> Yeah, little that's, what happened. That's awesome, man. I, I love I, I, that's <laughs> uh, many. Some people may not know you were speaking at an event for us here in Ashland. So that's the second time I've heard that story. And it still brings a smile to my face because yeah. God is our rescuer, man. And that's beautiful. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about just you know, you've, I've heard this story kind of laid out before now, but yeah. what, what, what was your Christian background, I guess? Like, what did you know about Jesus yeah. before attending Malone? Like, you know, did you, I, you know, you said a little bit that your home life growing up was a little turbulent. Like what, what did your relationship yeah. with Jesus look like before you got to Malone or started any of that stuff? Sure. And I say, I love how you <clears throat> phrased the question. So what was my relationship with Jesus? Like? Yeah. Now I knew, I knew the concept of God. I, I, I didn't grow up in the church, but I grew up going to church some. Okay. But it was just more of a religious duty. And then I was a Young Life kid. So freshman okay. year, I get into Young Life. But I mainly got into Young Life because they had free food. And like, right. we didn't have food at home. Right. <laughs> the struggle was real. So, But then I I would say my first real encounter with, with, with God was in 2008 when I started taking the Old Testament, New Testament, and hermeneutics, theology. I started taking all these different courses. And... But my relationship with Jesus probably happened in 2011. So I had a stepdad and he was super sick and he couldn't be, um, he just couldn't be a father. Mm. Uh, He had, he was so weak. Tape used to hold his eyelids open. That's how weak he was and just couldn't do anything. And so he dies in 2011 and I'm at International House of Prayer out in Kansas City. And me and my friends were, we were just hungry for, we were hungry for something. And the best way that I can explain it, and this is how crazy it is. Jesus had 12 disciples. Mm. One of those disciples betrayed him. Yeah. So how could you be a disciple of Jesus, see all the miracles of God, and yet still be so far away from yeah. Be so completely wrapped up on your own thing. And that's what I was in a lot of ways. Mm. I was the person that knew I could speak Christian. Man, I, <laughs> you hear me speak, you think I was a preacher yeah. at 22 years old. <laughs> but I had to connect the 18 inches between my brain and my heart. And the only way that happened was being completely surrendered. Mm. And... So I had somewhat of a background. I understood the Bible, okay. but my relationship with Jesus really started when I checked myself into rehab. Okay. What do you think? Why? And I see this, and I'm sure you see it too, as a as being a youth pastor and you, you know, doing a lot yeah. of events with youth. And, and that was kind of my similar story in high school is that I, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up with a, with a great family of parents who loved Jesus. Yet I had such a, you know, a big struggle making that connection between the head and the heart yeah. and making that, like you said, that relationship with Jesus. It wasn't just a, it wasn't just a church thing. It wasn't just a, a weekly youth group thing. It was a relationship, my personal relationship with Jesus. And now being yeah. a father and, and, and uh, we have one son who we adopted, you know, yeah. praying for him and being like, Lord, I want that authentic relationship for him. And I'm sure you want that for your kids as well. 
How do you, how do you think Absolutely. you encourage that or, or lead? How do you try to lead people into that, into that saying, Hey, this is, this is so much better than trying to fake it. We're trying to just say all the right things. How do you lead people into that authenticity? Yeah, I think it's important to understand. Um, so we're all leaders, you know, everybody's a leader. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people harp on leadership and they just get all these leadership books. Like as I look in my office, I've got so many different leadership books, right. but <laughs> what am I leading them to? Hmm. That always has to be the mindset. Am I leading them to myself? Am I leading them to reach one or am I leading them to Jesus? And what does that look like practically? Hmm. So with my children, I always want to make sure that the foundation in which I'm laying is a foundation that starts with identity as a son or a daughter. And, and basically you're good hmm. enough. You are more than good yeah. enough. You are exactly who God has created you to be. You're beautiful. You're amazing. Like I have a three-year-old. I post videos of her all the time telling, she says, I'm fierce. I'm strong. <laughs> I'm beautiful. I'm a mighty woman of God. <laughs> because it's important to understand if we can, like words are powerful. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So, and a lot of people say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, that's a lie. Mm. That is a lie. Somebody calls you ugly. You're going to feel some type of way about yeah. it. You are. Yeah. But what's crazy is if I call that same person beautiful, they're like, no, I'm not. Mm. Why is that? Mm. It's because they've been buying into a lie for so long that it's become their truth. So how do we, how do we break those walls down by continuing to speak life? Mm. Like the Bible tells us in Romans 8, one, therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. We condemn ourselves all the time. We doubt ourselves all the time. We're, we're fearful. And it's because the enemy is constantly lying to us by everything around yeah. us. We have to under, I was even thinking about sharing this, our eye gates and our ear gates. What we watch, we have to watch what we consume mm. because what we consume, we will become. Yeah. Like the, and it's very clear, always go back to scripture. Uh, As a man think of in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 22, yeah. 7. Why is that? You know, so I think with my children, I really want them to understand who they are and who they are at a young age. And I want to empower them to open up the Bible for themselves because daddy can tell you all you sure. want. And that's a good place to start. Sure. There's, there's three different voices that you listen to. You listen to the voice of the accuser. You listen to the voice of the father and you listen to your own voice. Sure. Well, you have to have the voice of the father in your life. Yeah. The father tells you who you are. It tells you how it may, and that voice will always trump yeah. the enemy's voice. Yeah. But if you don't have that voice, we see gen, Generation Z, right? The kids in which we're pouring yeah. into. Why are they struggling the most? Did you know that Generation Z is the most non-religious generation that there I is? I heard that, yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. They have no concept of who yeah. God is. You, they have no concept of the Bible. They have no concept of repentance. You say sanctification, and they're yeah. like, what? <laughs> right. what are you talking yeah, about? Right. So it's important. Our job is to, to equip these young people to live a life that's different, that goes against the grain. When things like the virus hits, we're not shaken because we're like, oh, my goodness, what's going right. to happen? Well, the Bible tells us what we're supposed to do in the midst mm -hmm. of it. Sorry, that was a bit, a bit of a long no, answer. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I think you hit on something that's huge for me, and I think we've kind of lost maybe in in you know in our generation and in in the generation it it, it left somewhere between where you and I are at and where our our parents mm -hmm. were is that what we consume really defines who we are, and you know Absolutely. we have the most. Someone said this about the quarantine. You know, we're actually you know, this was a, just a secular person being like, we're actually in the best state of, you know, <laughs> to be in a quarantine because we've got so much available, right? Like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and all these different things. And 
you know, everyone's watching Tiger King or whatever, you know, like all this crazy stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you know, how, like, I, I guess I, I'm just trying to work through myself. It's like, you want to lead people back to something better, which is scripture. How do you, you know, how do you convince them or, you know, compete with all of these things that are, like you said, trying to spew lies to them, to draw them back into scripture to say, Hey, you need this. Like you need to spend time with this word. You need to spend time with your savior, even in the midst of distractions. You know, I, I guess yeah. I'm, you know, even myself, I'm just, I'm just looking for how do we, how do we convince people that, that this word of God is so much better than, than spending 30 minutes on Twitter or 30 minutes on Facebook or 30 minutes on Instagram, you know? Absolutely. So this is good. So um, here's this thought came to me and I've been sitting on it for three okay. days and this is literally, I didn't even give it to me, it. man. I love it. All right. So <laughs> it just hit me right now. I need to write, it. I'm <laughs> writing it. Let me see. Okay. So I, I think it's important to understand that the gospel by itself is so mm -hmm. powerful. It's, it's when people ask me, I remember talking with the governor office Marcus, what changed your life? It was the tangible word of mm. God. I read Ephesians 1, 6, October 4th, 2017. The words came off the page, changed the inside of me, and I can't think mm. the same. And it says, by his glorious grace, I've made you accepted in the beloved. It was a truth that the Lord had begun declaring over mm. me. But for us as ministers of the gospel, there's this concept that I want to I unpack for a second. So either you're seen, either you're heard, or you're mm. felt. So when you walk into a room, either you're seen, either you're heard, or you're felt. So when I walked into a room, if everybody's eyes were closed, would they know I'm there? Huh. If I didn't make a noise, if they didn't sure. see me. Now, yeah, it's easy. we can easily walk into a room and be seen. Like, most people that can see can see sure, somebody walking sure. in. Most people can hear, you know, I'm a seven, so I'm, <laughs> I'm very loud. I'm, I'm, I'm out there. You're yep. going to hear me. But what about felt? What do you mean felt? I believe that our proximity to Jesus in the secret place, there's two different types of anointings. There's the Acts 1-8 for all believers, and there's a 1 John 2-27 type anointing that's individual and specific to you. I believe the anointing on your life can literally permeate so much that you walk into a room that people are changed because of the anointing of God on your life. But how mm -hmm. do you get that? Proximity to mm -hmm. Jesus. So I want you to think of this flame. You've got this um, this campfire. Now, if I'm standing 20 feet behind this campfire, I'm not going to be mm. warm. <laughs> you yeah. can see it. You're like, oh, man, that's got to be nice. But what I would need to do is actually get closer and closer and closer if I want to yeah. be warm, if I want to get comfort that the flame brings on a yeah. cold night. But see, for me, I want to be completely consumed by the flame. I want to be standing in the midst of the flame. I want to set myself on fire so other people can come watch me burn. So therefore, when I speak, I can literally say one sentence and it'll hit them way harder because of the proximity and time that I'm spending with Jesus in the secret mm. place. By setting my alarm and getting up early and just spending time with God that nobody will yeah. ever know about. It produces something in you, which actually helps you minister even yeah. more. Before Reach One started, I literally would wake up an hour early every day before everybody and go to the chapel and ask, Lord, Lord, what do you have for mm. me today? And I would spend time with him. And then it changed me. It's almost like Moses. Moses would go up on the mountain and be with the Father. And he would come down and his face shone. Spending time with God does something to us, which actually will help our mm. witness. 
because people don't need to hear yeah. it no more. Yeah. They've got all these, <laughs> we got all these televangelists and we got all these Instagram yeah. preachers. People need to see people living this yeah. thing out. And that's the kind of anointing that you mm. carry, man. Thanks, you really brother. do. I appreciate that. I'd love, I, I want to dive deeper with you on this point. I feel like you just hit, which I love yeah. is, and you, you know, reaching, you know, you, you reached a level in football that, you know, you know, 0.5% of the, even if you, you know, never played in the NFL, just getting to the level that yeah. you did, getting those division one offers, those, that was a point, you know, that many people will never experience, but to get to that point, you had to put in all this work that nobody ever sees. Right. And that's what I think people forget about. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I hate, I, I hate's a strong word, but I have a really hard time with like, sports talk radio sorts of things because it's always oh, yeah. it's always people on the sidelines who will never have a chance to do what these men do critiquing them for work that they you know they never see them put in you know and how yeah. do you how do we speak into what you were just saying where how do you get someone uh, especially a teenager whose life is so full you know sometimes of their you know, of their own doing of signing up for sports or signing up for extracurriculars or being with friends and doing all these things. How do you convince them or speak into them that like, look, if you want to, cause I hear teens a lot. We're like, you know, Sam, I want to make a difference for Jesus. I want to do great things for Jesus. I want to have all of these mountaintop NFL experiences for Jesus. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how do you cool. speak to them that say, Hey, that starts in the quiet moments and it's not glamorous and it's not, you know, it's not going to be seen by everybody. And it's difficult sometimes to set that alarm, to get up early or to stay up later, you know, reading the word, you know, how do you, how do you speak that truth into the lives of people who you say, Hey, I want these great things, but it has to start with the small little moments. Absolutely. So uh, on an, for an individual, so there's two different ways. So for me, uh, I I do travel and I speak and I like speak to pastors. Excuse me. I speak to to youth ministers and different leaders that are pouring into mm-hmm. young people. But then also I minister to people like individually. Okay. Like I've got a bunch of people that I just pour into yeah. myself. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. So I I had this vision. Um, uh, it was like maybe a year and a half ago. I was back home. I was in church. I was just worshiping. And immediately the Lord took me into vision to. I saw a sea of children and we were on this beach and we were praying for people and the kids were mm-hmm. praying too. And it was crazy and it, and it wrecked me and it, and it kind of, it kind of shook me. And then I came back and then the Lord spoke to me and he says, Marcus, they will not do what they don't see you already mm-hmm. doing. So for me, I have to live out mm-hmm. what I say. When I talk about addiction and overcoming addiction, the reason why it's powerful to people who are in addiction is because I've lived that and I've actually done things to change my life. If you want to have something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. So when, when for football, when ministering to a young person, hey, Le- LeBron James is the most talented athlete in the world. LeBron James would have probably still been the first sure. overall pick. But LeBron James wouldn't be considered one of the greatest ever if he didn't put in the work time yeah. in and time again. He put in the work because he saw the value in the work. Now, how do you get a young person to buy into it? They've got to see the buy-in. So when it comes to being a minister, like you have to see the impact. And and for you, like showing them, hey, this is what I do every single day. I'm pouring into you because somebody poured into me. And if you didn't have somebody that poured into you, you can go back to the scripture. I believe a testimony is the most powerful thing that we can share with somebody. That's why Revelation 12, 11. 
we've overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, even unto death. Testimonies are so powerful. So with a young person, maybe it's a new kid in your youth group that you're, you're getting ready to witness yeah. to for the first time. And you're like, Hey man, listen, first of all, love them, <laughs> love them and wait till you build relation, relational yeah. equity to be able to speak yeah. into their life. Because what happens is we have these people and we want to just be these, you know, street corner, like everybody can't be Ray Comfort. <laughs> right. Like right. Ray Comfort, he yep. just goes hard. Yeah. Like, but everybody, you have to build relationships to earn the right to speak mm-hmm. into their life. And when you do that, they are so much more receptive to right. what you have to say. Oh, that's good, man. I like that. Um, I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. What, what do you think, you know, uh, Jesus talks so much about the the value of the kingdom, the value of placing mm-hmm. our treasures in eternal places and not in earthly places. Why do you think we miss that? Yeah. Why do you think we miss? Because often people, like you said, LeBron James put in the work because he saw the value of what he would get out of that work. Like mm-hmm. that's why people work so hard for different things. That's why people work so hard for money because they see the tangible value of it. Yeah. Why do you think as Christians, it's so hard for us to wrap our minds around the, the eternal value of things? Well, I think one, because we have flesh, I think our flesh is so alive and we're such selfish mm-hmm. beings. So therefore we always think about self first. Even me, when I, like, when's the last time I prayed a prayer for somebody that I have absolutely no connection with? Yeah. When's the last time I prayed True. for Israel? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so I'm a selfish person. And I think the reason why I can't grab a hold of a lot of these, um, deeper concepts is until you have to crucify mm. the flesh you've got to go yeah. through something now i'm not saying everybody's got to go through drug addiction but you have to go through a i always tell people this you've got to give the old mm. man a eulogy like i had to give marcus a eulogy june 16 2017 and like i had to die to myself and i have to do that every mm. day sometimes like multiple yeah. times a day where I have to die to myself, die to my will, and understand that God has something so much bigger for me. But if I'm too full of myself, yeah. I can't be full of God. I can't yeah. be hungry for God. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I have to empty. I have to. And if I don't, man, there's. I always pray this prayer to God. God, humble me. Mm. Tear me down. Mm. Tear me down. Whenever I get too full of myself, like I spoke at this big conference uh, about a month ago, and, and pride started to well up a little bit. And I'm like, Lord, humble me. I never want to be hu- more hungry for my name being seen than your name being preached. And then coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, okay, man. Yeah. <laughs> and all my gifts, yeah. I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> and I'm not saying God no, did I that don't. for me, but like yeah. my revelation was God is he's yeah. drawing me in, yeah. in yeah. the seat. I hear that. Yeah, I hear that. Um, where would you give, you know, use that this is a, that addiction story is a huge part of, of you yeah. and, 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 and who you are and who you are in Jesus Christ and the journey that he's led you through. And that looks different. Yeah. You know, for you, it was, you know, the pain medication. I think for others, it's probably different things. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be alcohol. It could sure. be pornography. It could be, you know, different kinds yeah. of drugs, whatever. Um, what what would be for someone who's at that point where you said you were at in that prison cell where it was the addiction was so strong is that all you could think about is, you know, those 12 pills that were at your house. What would be your your advice to someone who who's there whose flesh is so strong that they feel like i i've tried everything i've cried out to god because 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 even in the midst of addiction you know sometimes we're like paul we cry out to god and he says that thorn in your flesh is there for a reason you know it it, it's not going to get taken away and i'm sure there's moments where you know you feel that 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 high that you felt there's a longing for that 
you know, or, or whatever. And I'm sure it yeah. never goes away completely. So what's the, what's the advice for someone who's yeah. there who literally can't think straight? What's, what's your first step that you would say to somebody say, Hey, this is yeah. where you go. So the first thing I would tell them is take mm-hmm. a deep breath. And I would ask them to take a deep breath again. The very fact that you still have breath in your lungs means there's still so much purpose in your life. Mm-hmm. That the enemy has been lying to you. The enemy has been trying to destroy you. The enemy is trying to manipulate your mind. And I think it's important to understand that God is the God mm-hmm. that delivers. God is the God of deliverance. Man, I haven't struggled one bit with drug addiction since God delivering me from it the day I checked Amen. myself into rehab. But it wasn't because uh, I'm special. It's because I completely was willing to do whatever it took to change my life. But then I would ask them, why are you doing it? For me, when I first went to rehab, I'll be honest, sure. I didn't do it for myself. I did it because my little yeah. girl needed a dad. I, I She needed a father and I needed to do what I had, what I had to do. But there were moments, and I have my journal here, um, for my year when I was in rehab for August 3rd, the Lord had me go up to the altar and I felt it in my heart. Now we were listening to a mm. song by Carrie Job. Mm. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me. And I felt the Lord say to my heart, go up there and sacrifice mm. your family for me. And I didn't know how to do it. I had, I crawled. I was, you would have thought somebody yeah. died the way I was crying, but I crawled up to the altar and a lot of people take things to the altar. A lot of people want to take their addictions to the altar. A lot of people want to give everything to God. But what happens is when you get up from the altar, you pick it back up, but you've got to learn to leave it there. You've got to meditate on scriptures where the Bible says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. God's not surprised. And I think even as, as a thorn in your side, I don't believe anything that's detrimental to, um, to your your character is anything that god can't amen. rescue amen. You from yep. you know what i mean i think i think that they can really understand god is the god that delivers and you may be tempted i'm not sure. saying temptation is yeah. not going to come yeah it's gonna yeah. go absolutely but what does what does first corinthians say there's no temptation that has seized amen. you except what's common to man god is faithful he will not let you be tempted more than you can bear but remember this part but when you are tempted, because it says yep. you're going to come, he's going to come. He will provide a way that you may stand upon it. God always provides a way, whether it's um, pornography, whether it's, you know, addiction, whether it's, you know, some yeah, people are addicted yeah, to work. Yeah. <laughs> Some people are addicted yep. to ca- caffeine. I had to stop drinking coffee. I'm like, yo, all right. <laughs> I had to stop. I didn't even drink coffee. I didn't yeah. even drink coffee till rehab. And wow. so I haven't drank coffee now because you have to understand everything needs yep. to be submitted to God. So I would tell them, man, listen, God is with you. Don't give up. He's got you. Mm-hmm. Open up your Bible. And here, and this is so important, man. This, this might be the most important thing I'll probably ever teach anybody. Don't be a person that lives on the revelations mm-hmm. of another man. God had, he, he had to wreck me with that. He told me to get rid of my Bible mm-hmm. for the commentaries because Holy Spirit wants to speak to every individual. Now it's good to have counselors because there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. And I've got, I've got a lot of people that uh, are my counselors. But Jesus and Holy Spirit are my number one. Go to him first. Don't be afraid to pray first before yeah. we ask for advice. Because God wants to speak to you. New revelation, mm-hmm. new rhema. So we have to learn Amen. to live from the inside out. I love that. I think I think that's good advice even for the, the you know, the very first thing you said for anybody who's who's dealing with anything, you know, any sort of difficulty. I wish I had someone when I first found out that, you know, that my wife and I we're struggling with infertility. I wish I had someone who told me just, just breathe. <laughs> you know, I think, I think we could yeah. solve, we could, you know, yeah. 
we could solve a lot of things if we would just take a step back and just breathe and just say, God's got this, you know, we, we are, we are in the hands of someone so much bigger than ourselves. Um, Thank you so much for joining us for part one of this interview with Marcus. I had a great time talking to him. He's such a good brother and he has so much wisdom from the Lord and so much scripture stored up in his heart. If you enjoyed part one, we're going to be dropping part two at a later date, and there's going to be more podcasts to come. They'll be coming every Tuesday and every Thursday. So we'd love for you to subscribe to The Empty Quiver. Keep track of us. I'll be posting it all over my Instagrams and social media so that you can follow along with the podcast as well. Thanks for tuning in today. Love you guys. Thank you.